we're doing a series called Anchor Down. And, and part of the reason that we're doing this series is I feel like nowadays there's so many different, um, I, I, I could say winds or waves of doctrine, theology, um, really false doctrine, things that are coming against the church or moving through the church. And, and what it's doing is it's drawing a lot of people off the path that they should be on. We're, we're, we're moving further away from truth and not closer to it. And, and so one of the things that we wanted to do is find a place in God's word that we could, some things that we could anchor ourselves to. And, and so it's important to understand, like when a ship drops anchor, that anchor needs to hook to something so that that ship can stay stable, right? And, and so last week we talked about different anchors that we want to drop. This week we're going to start talking about the different rocks that we want to attach our anchor to, okay? And, and today's message is going to be all about God's Word. It's called Bones and All. I'll explain that part later. But it's all about God's Word because here's the thing. God's Word is under attack, and God's Word has to be the foundation of our faith. If God's Word isn't the foundation of our faith, then nothing else we believe even matters. If God's Word isn't true, then, then forget about talking about the cross. Forget about talking about Jesus. Forget about talking about heaven and hell. If God's word isn't true, then none of those other things matter. And so we've got to establish today God's word as being accurate and true and something that we can build our life on. I've been reading a lot of different people. And one of the things I've noticed, I've noticed a lot of skeptics and spiritual people and even pastors. They're coming out now and they're saying things like uh, the Bible is a book of fables meant to teach us lessons. They say the Bible is a book of myths. They say that the Bible is no longer relevant to current culture. They say that the Bible is editable. That I can go in, I, I told you this a few weeks back, but uh, there's a pastor that I know of and, and I, I've met. And, and one of the things he does now is he says he can go through the Bible. And as he reads the Bible, he can say, which parts of these are still good? Which scriptures are still good? And he can take what he wants and leave the rest. Right. And so uh, the, the, the concept today by, by today's skeptics and today's spirituals is, is to really discount and devalue the Bible. Now, some people are going to poke holes in it. Some people are going to say, uh, you know, that it's not true. And I understand that an atheist might would say that. And I'm I'm for it. I mean, what else are you supposed to say if you're an atheist? You should try to disprove the Bible. That should be your job. But whenever you're a spiritual person, whenever you're a pastor, whenever you're a Christian, the, the idea is not to disprove it, but to devalue it. As long as I can make it watered down or make it something that's not relevant, then I can do whatever I want to do in my life. I can build whatever theology I want to build. And so today we're going to talk about that for a few minutes. And, um, and one, of the things, uh, one of the things that I've heard is, is, um, is that the Bible is really like a, a, a big game of telephone. Have you ever played telephone before? You know where one person tells a secret to the other person, you keep passing it along? And they say, that's how we got our Bible, that, that the Bible is not accurate anymore. And so today I want to tell you a couple of things to help us understand the accuracy of the Bible, and then we're going to get on to the personal stuff. But if you don't mind, just bear with me for a few minutes. I want to kind of be nerdy just for a minute, because I think what happens sometimes is people try to come at us with, these, um, with facts, and they try to come at us with uh, their theories about what the Bible is and isn't. And, and what we do is we don't know any better, and so we just believe. We don't know any better, so we just believe. We don't know what the reality is, so we just go along with what everybody says. And we allow them to devalue the Bible in our own eyes. 
Here's a couple of things that prove the Bible. One prophecy proves the Bible. Uh, Deuteronomy 18.22, the Bible says this, If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, then you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. In other words, the Bible establishes itself in Deuteronomy by saying, listen, if there's a prophecy that doesn't come true, it's not from God. So right off the bat, anything in the Bible that's not coming true is not from God, right? That's what the Bible says. And so it, it, you need to understand that. So with that being said, how does prophecy prove the Bible? Just a couple of quick thoughts. One is Isaiah 52 and 53. We, we did a whole series on this one time about Isaiah 53, but it's a prophecy about Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before Christ was ever born. Now, what some people are going to tell you is they're going to say, well, the Christians wrote Isaiah 53 and snuck it into the Old Testament later on. And that makes sense, right? That'd be a great way to, to you know, beef up our, our, um, our Christ. But actually, they found Isaiah 53 in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and the one they found was from 100 years before Christ was even born. So Isaiah 52 and 53 is a prophecy about Christ. And, and here's another one that, that I think is just neat. There are 456 prophecies in the Bible that Christ fulfilled. 456. Now, a man did some math on this one time, and he said the odds of a man, of one man fulfilling eight of those prophecies. Now, Christ fulfilled 456. The odds of a man fulfilling eight of those prophecies is 10 to the 17th power. That would be like 1 in 10 in the 17th power. That's 10 with 17 zeros behind it. He said, to put that in perspective, it would be like taking um, uh, silver dollars and having enough silver dollars to cover the entire state of Texas two feet deep. Painting one of them red, throwing it in there, mixing it all up, and then having a blindfolded man go in and pick that one out. Those are the odds of one man fulfilling eight of the 456 prophecies. Christ fulfilled all 456. Prophecy proves the Bible is true. Another one is accuracy. This is, again, kind of nerdy. I'm sorry, but I really like this stuff. The New Testament accuracy. Just in the New Testament alone, a lot of people try to poke holes in the New Testament for us. But listen to this. This is really neat. Did you know this? Um, the New Testament was written, handwritten, and hand-copied multiple times, right? That seems to make sense. They didn't have a printing press when they were writing the New Testament. And they are still finding pieces of New Testament that had been written uh, from the time when, after Christ was uh, on earth. So here's the thing that's neat to understand. There, are, there have been found 5,824 copies just in Greek of the New Testament, handwritten. The average size of each of those copies is 200 pages. That's over 1.2 million pages of the New Testament that have been discovered as handwritten. Now you may think, well, what difference does that make? There's a lot of copies. Okay, yes, I get it. That's a lot of copies. doesn't mean anything. But here's the thing. What skeptics will tell you is they'll say out of those manuscripts, there's actually... Actually, I forgot to mention, if you include the other languages that were found, it's over 20,000 copies of the New Testament that were, that were handwritten, um, if you include other languages. 
out of those copies, there are 400,000 variants. What does that mean? That means 400,000 places where something is off from one to the other. And you may say, well, that proves that the Bible is not accurate. But actually, if you think about it, 99% of those don't mean anything. It's where they put an extra N or an extra H on a word that didn't really matter at the end of the day anyway. There's only very few places where the Bible, um, those 20,000 copies, there's very few places where it actually would um, change the context of what was being written. So you've got to understand, how do, I, how do I know that the Bible is real? Well, here's the thing that you've got to look at. You've got to look at that 1% where something might change. Think about it this. If I put a scripture or a, a word, a sentence up on the board, if, if I put up, you know, the, the quick brown fox jumps over the log or whatever that, that thing is, right? If I throw that up there and there was one person in the room and I said, I want you to copy that down, and that one person copied it down and then I deleted it forever, never to be seen again, how accurate would that one person's copy be? I don't know. I have nothing to test it against. If I brought 10 people in the room, had them copy it down, deleted it so it would never be seen again, how accurate could I find out? Now, there's going to be some variation. Somebody's going to write the red fox, and then nine people are going to write the brown fox, because nine people paid attention, but that one person was just writing so fast they wrote red fox. And so now I can compare, right? I can see, oh, the red fox over here, that's obviously wrong. It's, all, it's supposed to be brown fox, because nine people wrote brown fox. Does that make sense? So if I put 100 people in the room, how accurate do you think we could get it? Very accurate. Now, what if I put 20,000 in the room? Would there be variations? Absolutely. You're going to have some people that don't put punctuation. You're going to have some people that, that, that instead of writing fox, wrote box. But the fact is, all I got to do is look across that 20,000, and I can find exactly what was written. The Word of God is true. The Word of God is for today, and it's got to be something that we build our life on. And so I just, I wanted to throw that out there because I feel like today we are bombarded all the time with people saying, how do you know it's true? How do you know it's real? You know, the word of God is just a bunch of fables. We're constantly bombarded with that. And so today I wanted to get that, get that part in our heads. The next thing I want to talk about today is, is how do we allow the word of God into our life? How do we build a life on it? How do we have this foundation? And it's this, number one, we've got to consume the word. Matthew 4, 4 says, uh, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How do I consume the word of God? I got to eat it bones and all. We went camping um, a few weeks back with, with, uh, with G2 and my dad and, and Jesse, and we're on this island, and, and while we're on the island, we're fishing, and, and that's what we ate every night was fish. Well, while we're fishing, we'd get these fish out, and we didn't have a fillet knife, and so, um, so we're just chopping the fish up and, and cooking them, but they had the bones in them. And so you try to scrape the meat off of the bones as best you can, but chances are you're not going to do a great job. The first night, actually, we did a pretty good job of scraping the meat off, and we got to eat the meat. And every so often you get a bone stuck in your mouth, or, and you'd have, to, you'd have to pick it out. The next night, uh, actually, G2 was in charge of deboning the fish, and I walked over and said, let me do this. And I just like, started scraping, did a terrible job. And so I put all this fish in a taco and tried to eat it. And the whole time, I mean, I'm just choking on bones the whole time. It was terrible. So, so we had these, these bony fish that we're trying to eat, right? 
And we're constantly spitting out the bones. And, and it was one of those things where you're, you're always working to get the bones out. Finally, Gabriel had had enough, and he said, forget it. I'm just eating hot dogs the rest of the time. And that's what we do with God's word a lot. We get God's word, we start consuming God's word, and all of a sudden we start choking on some bones. Last week I read a scripture that was very hard. I don't know if you guys remember it, but it was that scripture that talked about not being able to draw someone back into repentance after they've turned away. Uh, and that was a very hard verse. As a matter of fact, I had somebody come up to me later that said, uh, came up to me the next day and they said, hey, I watched your sermon online. And they said, I don't know what to think about that verse. I said, I don't either. It's tough. But that's the Bible. Like, the Bible's not easy. The Bible's not, the Bible's full of bones. And there's some things that we're going to choke on. But you've got to make up your mind that you're going to eat it bones and all. You can't go in and pick out the parts you like and the parts you don't like. And what some people have done is they've absolutely turned the opposite direction and said, I'm going to just eat hot dogs, right? They just make up their own versions. There's so many religions out there right now that base their stuff off the Bible, but it's totally different. Why? Because it's, they, they, they had too many bones, too many things they didn't want to swallow. Deuteronomy 4, uh, 1 and 2 says, And now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live, so that you may enter and occupy the land that the Lord your God, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add or subtract from these commands I am giving you. Just obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you. I like how Moses puts that. He's like, don't add or subtract, just obey. You know, like, I, I feel like that would be his emphasis there. Just obey. Can you just do God's word? Can you just listen to what I'm trying to teach you and just do that? Stop trying to make up your own stuff. Stop trying to add stuff in. Don't take stuff out because you don't like it. Just obey what I'm giving you. In John chapter 6, I don't have this on the screen because it's a long passage. But if you were to read John chapter 6, there's a portion where Jesus starts talking about if you're going to follow me, that you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, and that's a very hard passage to understand. And the Bible says that many of his disciples choked on that word and they left him. And this is where we are today. So many people, we get to the passages that we don't like. When the Bible starts talking about sin that we commit, but we want to keep in our life, then we start, well, that one's not for me, right? That one's not for me. My dad always tells a story. I don't know if it's true or not. Knowing my dad is probably not. About some guy in a church one time, and the whole time the preacher's preaching, the guy just kept doing his hand like this. And after the sermon was over, the preacher came up to the guy and he said, why did you keep doing your hand like this? He said, because some of the stuff you were saying, I didn't need it, I didn't want it, I didn't like it, so I was just passing it on to the next person, you know. And that's what we do in life. We just try to pass stuff on. It's like, I don't like this. I, it, it hurts my feelings. And what we do is we want the Word of God to conform to our feelings, and the Word of God doesn't conform to anything. You conform to the Word. The Word doesn't conform to you. We don't, we don't have our agenda and then try to make the Word of God fit it. We form our agenda based on what God's word already says. The second way that we consume the word is we have to study the word for ourselves. Study it for yourself. Don't let this be the only time that the word of God is broken down for you. I, I, I can't stand it sometimes whenever people just take what's said from a pulpit at face value and, and, and don't ever do the research themselves. 
I always encourage you, take what I say and go find out for yourself. Look it up for yourself. See if what I'm saying is right. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. I'm going to read this in the King James Version. I don't um, normally use King James, but uh, I'm going to read it today. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That word divide there means to, to handle, to rightly handle like you would a sword. Or, or to plow through something like you would with, with doctrine. That no matter what the world is saying, that I've got to rightly handle, rightly divide God's word. Another word for it there is to distribute. That, that I've got to be able to take God's word and distribute it out the way it should be distributed out. How do I do that? By studying to show myself approved. If you're not studying God's word, you're missing out. You're missing out on life. You're missing out on growth. You're missing out on development. We've got to study God's word for ourselves. In Acts chapter 17, I like this, verses 10 and 11. It says, that very night the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. We've got to be like the Bereans. Just because a preacher says it from a stage doesn't make it true. I can take a scripture and I can twist it and turn it to make it say whatever I want it to say. All I got to do is pull it out of context. All I got to do is give you one verse and not give you what's before and what's after. And we can take some stuff out of context. So you've got to be willing and able to go in and study the scriptures for yourself. If you're taking notes this morning, let me give you just a couple of quick places that I study. So there's a website called BibleHub.com. BibleHub.com. You can go in there. You can find commentaries. You can also find um, Greek and Hebrew words, how they're broken down on each individual scripture. There's, another, uh, there's a commentary that's really good. You can find it on BlueLetterBible.com. And uh, it's a guy named David Guzik. Very good stuff if you're wanting to study the scriptures. He's got very good commentary, very solid. Um, another guy you can watch online that will help you with your Bible study is a guy named Mike Winger. If you want to look up Mike Winger on YouTube, you can check him out. He's got a lot of stuff in there on the Bible, how to study the Bible. So there's a couple of things I just wanted to throw at you real quick. The third thing is this, we've got to meditate on God's word. Joshua 1, 7 and 8 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Here's the thing about meditation. It's not about... Um, folding your legs up and holding your hands out and humming, right? That's not what meditation is here. When the Word of God talks about meditation in this, it's talking about like a cow chewing the cud. In other words, I consume God's Word, I swallow God's Word, I regurgitate God's Word, I chew it again. So, so how, does I, how do I make that work in my everyday life? What I do is you have to take a verse, take a, a passage, and you continually go over it. Maybe you take a day and you say, look, I've got this one passage that I'm going to just continually go over all day today. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to put it in my phone. I'm going to put it in my pocket. I'm going to just go over it. I'm going to put it in my mirror. And I'm just going to, I'm going to let this word marinate in my life until it starts to change me. 
The goal of the word of God is to change you, not for you to change it. Remember that. And so, so you've got to allow God's word to change you. As long as God's word is just something that we're listening to and, and putting aside, if it's just something that we get on a Sunday morning, if it's not something that we're studying, that we're consuming, that we're meditating on, it's never going to have the opportunity to change us. You've got to consume it. And then the other thing we've got to do is build our life on it. Luke chapter 6, 47 and 48 says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house, uh, building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. How do I build my life on the word of God? I have to build my life on principles, not preferences. I have to build my life on principles, not preferences. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, A human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I've heard so many people come up to me and they, would, they, they want to talk about whatever their lifestyle is. And the thing about it is, is they want me to okay their preferences. But when I look in the word of God... There are certain principles that don't always line up with my preferences. And so if I have to choose a preference or a principle, if I'm going to build my life on God's word, I'm leaning on the principle. Now, earlier when my dad got up and he said, I want everybody to lift your hands, and I know that was uncomfortable for some people, um, but when he said, I want you to lift your hands... Was he just doing that willy-nilly? Was he just making up something? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, what he was saying was more biblical than a lot of other stuff that you see in churches today. The Bible says to lift your hands. It is something that God tells us to do in worship. But what happens is we want our preference. I don't like to lift my hands, right? I didn't grow up in a church that lifted their hands. That's okay. You don't have to grow up in a church that lifts their hands. You have to grow up with the Bible, and what we do is we put our denomination above the Bible. We put our preference above the Bible. We put our feelings above the Bible. We, we put what we desire, our sin, above the Bible. But if we are going to build our life on something, the Bible says that the man had to dig down deep. you got to dig down deep to get into the Word of God and set that anchor. You can't just go around thinking that I'm going to just live my life however I want to and hopefully the Bible will meet up with me. It's not about your preference. It's about the principles of God's word. The other thing we've got to do if we want God's word to be a foundation in our life, if we're going to build our life on it, is we've got to allow the God's word to have authority in our life. I think sometimes we don't allow God's word to have authority. The Bible says this in Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. I was thinking through this one as I was reading it. And when I thought about the lamp to, for my feet and the light for my path, when you think about a lamp for your feet, all that really does is show you where your feet are. But you know what God's word does? It reveals to us exactly where we are. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. The, it shows me where my feet are. And, and the second thing is, it's a light to my path. It shows me the safe areas I can walk in. So in other words, if I'm off the path, the lamp to my feet reveals to me that I'm not in the right place. And if I'm on the path, 
The light to my path reveals to me where I can walk and where I cannot walk. So if you've got questions about your finances, you've got questions about your relationships, you've got questions about your marriage, you've got questions about your relationships at your job, listen, there is a lamp called the Word of God that will reveal the path that you need to be walking in. And you need to stay within that path. And the last thing is this, we've got to let the Word of God be a mirror. James 1, 22 and 25, through 25. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God's word has to be bigger than a book. His word has to be bigger than a book. It has to make an impact on your life. His word has to establish everything we believe and every way that we live. His word gives us hope. His word corrects us. His word gives us life. We've tried to make God's word conform into our image. And we've got to learn how to conform ourselves into God's word. Won't you stand up with me today? If you've ever done any kind of construction before, you know, if you're building a wall, you've got to have a level, right? You've got to have a level. And whenever you put that level on that frame, if the level's off, you don't just move the level, right? I mean, if I put the level up there and the bubble is off a little bit, I can move the level and the bubble will move, but it doesn't make the wall right, that wall is still going to fall down whenever I try to put it together. What do I have to do to make the wall right? I've got to change the wall. I've got to do some work on the wall. And what we do sometimes in life is we take the word of God as a level. And we put it on our life. And if that bubble is not right where it needs to be, we just try to move the level. Instead of moving our life. Instead of changing who we are. There's some areas of God's word that are sometimes hard to swallow, but we've got to eat it bones and all. And for some of you, myself included, we may be going through life without this good understanding of God's word. We may be going through life without God's word as a foundation for who we are. And when you go through life like that, it's easy for people to poke holes in it. It's easy for you to be drifting away. Further from the truth, not closer to it. Why don't you close your eyes with me this morning. Lord Jesus, I love you and I thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every person in this room. And God, I just pray today that you would help us to establish your word as the foundation for everything that we believe. Help us to establish your word as the foundation for every way that we live. Help us to allow your word to have authority in our life. God, that your word would guide us and direct us. That your word would reveal where we are and where we need to go. And God, I pray that as we come across these areas in our own life of sin, these areas in our own life, God, of, of conformity, these areas in our own life, God, of lack, God, that we would go back to your word and find the answers that we need. 
So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would do a work in our lives. Maybe today as we're, as we're talking and as we're praying, you may realize that maybe you're not serving God today. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we want to give you that opportunity. If that's you this morning, I want you to just slip your hand up. You can put it back down. Okay. What I want to do is I want to pray and I want to ask God to minister to your life. But here's what you got to do. You got to pray. And, and we don't just pray and ask God to save us. We ask God to save us and then we walk it out. We live it out. The Bible says we pray, and then we, we believe, and we repent. The Bible says we use this word as a guide. We live it out. We don't just read it. James says it does us no good to read it if you're not going to live it. So God, today we just ask you, if you lifted your hand today and you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ, we just say, Jesus, forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We want to believe in you. We want to accept you as our Lord and our Savior. And so we ask today that you would come into this place, that you would fill our lives. God, today we want to repent of our sins. We want to turn away from those things that we were doing that we know are not of you, and we want to turn towards you. God, we want to live it out. We don't want to just pray about it. We want to live it. And so, God, I just pray that today you would help us to do that. Let your word infiltrate our lives, God. Let it change us in Jesus' name. Amen.